Now here's the best. Stay tuned, sports podcast. And hello there, all you stay tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here, back again with some some a lot of news. I guess you you could say. Uh, and we actually have some sports this coming weekend. With UFC 249, as of right now, happening. Um, also, we had Korean baseball airing on ESPN. Granite, 1 a.m. in the morning is what it is. Got a little bit of live sports, at least, you know, to to wet the, the palate a little bit there. But but before we get into the show, head over to Twitter. Follow us there at ST Sports Podcast, as well as our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Um... All the episodes are going to be automatically updated on YouTube, so no more of me falling behind of keeping an update. Been getting a couple comments on there. I appreciate you guys leaving the comments there. Um, most of the time I'm on, on Twitter, though, so if you guys want to interact with me and talk about how I don't want Javane uh, Clowney come to Philly, even though rumors have it that we are one of five teams looking to sign him, which I just... I just don't agree with. I just don't want to. So don't get me started on that. But uh, jumping into the show here, off the bat, I just want to give a real quick shout out to uh, our Stay Tuned Sports iRacer driver, Scott Crump. Hell of a race this past uh, Monday on uh, ERSCA League, Erska League, I guess they, they pronounce it. Where you can fo- you can watch them on uh, YouTube. It, just go over to YouTube, Sim.tv, and they have a bunch of different leagues there. It's really really cool. Um, but you know, I talked to them during the week and everything like that, and started off I believe in tenth place on the road course. The uh, I think they called it Rovell. Um, ended up in ninth place. Seems like we caught a little bit of a break with one of. The racers uh, who was in, uh, ahead in the points was taken out of the race by, I believe, like a lap car or you know, someone he was trying to pass. And luckily, Scott is back in first place in the point standings. So I just want to give a quick shout out to him. Congratulations. And this upcoming Monday is actually the all-star race for their league. Um, it starts at 9.30 Eastern time. It's the uh, Myrtle Beach racetrack. Like I said, it's really interesting. About 45 minutes to an hour long. Um, some good battles that go on there. So, tune in. And like I said, when you're over on Twitter, I'm always advertising about them as well. So, you can find out the link and stuff like that through me over at ST Sports Podcast. A lot of football news. Uh, I want to start off with this. I want to send my condolences to the, the Shula family. One of, if not the greatest, NFL head coach, Don Shula, passed away this past week. Um, he was 90 years old. I mean, a hell of a life. Can't ask for much more to live that long, um, especially in, in these times that we're living right now. You know, 
whenever something like this happens, player or head coach passes away, everybody feels somber and stuff like that. I, I really don't want to. I, I, I want to talk about everything that he did was, was good. And some of the, the stats that I found on him were just mind-blowing. I mean, you, you guys say there's never going to be another coach like him. Um, first off, only team to go undefeated throughout the whole season. From game one all the way to the Super Bowl. Obviously, 1972's Dolphins team. Took the Dolphins to five Super Bowls, winning three of them. And before coming to Miami, and I totally forgot about this one, he coached the Baltimore Colts, which at the time made him the youngest NFL head coach at 33 years old. Now, nowadays it's like you're 27, 28, you know, you're hired. But the the one thing that stood out to me the most about um, Coach Shula was the fact that he, he coached 33 seasons, and out of those 33 seasons, he only had two below 500 seasons with the Dolphins. Now, 33 seasons, 26 of them was with Miami. That's 24, seasons, 24 winning seasons. That's unheard of. I mean, it's unheard of have a coach stick with the team more than 10 years anymore you know anyways but to stick with the team for 26 years just just amazing you know and it wasn't like you know once he retired he stayed behind the scenes he helped out with the uh, competition committee um and i I love the one quote that he he said because we always talk about bill belichick being one of the the greatest head coaches ever to coach Don Shula made the, the statement that the one thing he wants to be remembered by is that he always played within the rules is that my shot at Bill Belichick and the Patriots sure yeah it is you know they, they've been found guilty of cheating multiple times or have been accused of and I mean the facts are right there says it but no one wants to come forward and say it that every time they, they cheat it. But, you know, among other things, he he, he was involved with a lot of the, the foundations um, that are out there, whether it be making personal appearances or donations. Just, I mean, other than a head coach, sound sounded just like a, a very upstanding guy. And he will sorely be missed. And once again, want to offer my condolences to the Shula family. Now, some other news, some some signings, NFL signings. Frank Gore, all 958 years old of him, has signed with the New York Jets. Very interesting signing here, I think. Now, on one hand... He, this will be his third team playing with Adam Gase. He played with him in uh, Miami and San Fran. But what does this mean for Le'Veon Bell? Now, Gase came out and said he wanted to lessen the load for Bell, who had uh, 311 touches last season. He is not, Le'Veon Bell is not that type of back. 
he's your he never struck me as a a, a um, carried the ball you know three four downs you know um, he always struck me as he'll get you the tough yards in between the tackles but he's more to me a outside of the tackles and pass catcher type player and the fact that they ran him 311 times last year not good and if you look at the, the past with running backs that have ran over 300 touches uh, in the season it doesn't bode well for them you know you, you think of uh, Jamal Anderson um, I think Devontae Freeman even a couple years ago had that and hasn't done anything since it's, you, you basically ran him into the ground you know you basically took a half a year off of him Granted, he hasn't been living up to that contract he signed. But with this Frank Gore signing, I think it's going to help him out a little bit more. You, you might not see the fantasy stats from Le'Veon um, as much. Maybe you'll see a little bit more in, in the passing, uh, receiving area of it. But the rushing part, I think you're going to see Frank Gore take some, some of that away. He's definitely a, a tough runner up the middle. So he could get you those tough yards. May steal some some touches away at goal at the goal line from Bell. But I, I think this was a good sign for the Jets. And also on the flip side, you know, if Frank Gore starts off the season with a decent season, Bell has been rumored to, to be on the trading block the past what year and a half or so I mean it's obvious Adam Case does not like Le'Veon Bell some of his his statements towards him so even if Frank Gore has a good season and when I say good season like for his past couple years I mean I last year he had career lows but even if he he gets seven eight hundred yards rushing you have a couple young running backs behind them. Maybe they could carry the load. You know, this is not a one-back only league anymore. You're starting to see that running back by committee more and more from each team. And, you know, me joking around about him being 950 years old and this and that. The one stat that kind of flies under the radar at least in my eyes, is he's third in all-time rushing behind Emmett Smith and Walter Payton. He has over 15,000 yards rushing. Now, granted, a lot of those, majority of those were with San Fran, but it just shows how how his work ethic is to stay healthy and, and not miss a lot of time and to be able to take care of your body long enough to keep playing at this age now you know Emmett Smith may have went a year or two longer than he should have but Frank Gore even though he had a career low last year of just over 500 yards rushing and a couple touchdowns that was his first bad year in quite some time you know hopefully he'll have a bounce back year even though he spurned the Eagles a couple years back during the 
legal tampering period. But like I said, I, I think this was a good uh, pickup by the um, New York Jets. Not sure if it's going to help them at all. Uh, move on to the next level. I mean, that's a lot of that is Sam Darnold. And just have to wait and see. Speaking of which, the schedule gets released Thursday, uh, May 7th, I believe it is. I think it's tomorrow. Or if you're listening to it right now, Thursday. So I'm kind of excited about that. I want to see when Philly plays Dallas, what days. And kind of get off the Frank Gore subject. Um, as of right now, the rumor is NFL is going to release a full 17 game or 17 week game schedule. Yeah, and they're releasing it Thursday, May 7th at 8 p.m. They're supposed to have a like huge release show on NFL Network. Um, the big thing that came out of the rumor as of right now, or it's actually not a rumor, um, one of the NFL uh, front office execs came out and said, there is going to be no international games this year, which me personally, I'm happy because before this whole coronavirus thing started, the Eagles were rumored to being one of the international games, I, I believe, against Arizona. Listen, I ain't a morning port person. I like to drink on Friday and Saturdays. That would have been rough for me to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to watch football over in England or down in Mexico City. So I'm kind of happy that's not happening this year. Now, I did see, I believe it was late last week or early this week, that the NFL was looking at contingency plans in case the league started, or if the season started a little bit later. Uh, one of the contingency plans I saw was there were going to be no bye weeks. If it had to start in the middle of October, there was going to be no bye weeks, and Super Bowl would have been pushed back two weeks longer in February. Right now, I believe February 7th is the Super Bowl. So they're leaving that two-week um, window after it opened. And there, there would be no Pro Bowl either, which might as well just get rid of it anyways. Um, there would be no rest period between the championships games and the Super Bowl itself. But hopefully... Everything starts calming down so we can have the NFL season start on time. There won't be any fans, though, to, to begin with. Which, again, I'm okay with. Um, I'll talk about UFC a little bit here, but I, I really think... Sports... And even the government should get you know make sure they get together and, and decide... When is the, the right time to allow fans back in stadiums or arenas? Now, some surprising news, at least in my eyes, when I first saw it, Andy Dalton was released by the Bengals. I wasn't surprised by that. Obviously, Joe Burrow being drafted by the Bengals, writing was on the wall. Um... 
but I was surprised the Dallas Cowboys signed him to a one-year deal with a base value of $3 million. That's not that bad. Worth up to $7 million with, I believe, incentives. <clears throat> now, this is very interesting because for the past couple weeks, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have been trying to hammer out a contract extension. Prescott feels he, he's worth 34 to $40 million. Dallas feels he's worth, what's it, 31 for a franchise? So they believe he's only worth 28 to $31 million. I think, as much as I hate Dallas, I think Dallas is right. I don't think Prescott is... I don't think he should be paid as the top quarterback in the league because he's not. I'm not even saying Wentz is. Top quarterback in the league right now is Patrick Mahomes. I need to see a little bit more from Lamar Jackson, see how this, this upcoming season comes. If he does the same thing he did last year, I'd be okay with throwing him into the discussion as the best quarterback in the league right now. But Dak is not the best quarterback out there. He is equal to Carson Wentz. I believe he's probably better than Jared Goff. I think, uh, I was about to say St. Louis. Uh, the LA Rams, I think they paid him over too much. And we, we saw that last year. He had a little bit of a down year. Just like Wentz, Wentz's main issue is he can't stay healthy. Even though last year he finished the season healthy. Got taken out of the wild card game from a cheap shot. I don't care what anybody says. Let a 300-pound man drive his head slash shoulder in the back of your head and see if you could get up and not see stars. Dak's issue, I believe, is if he doesn't have weapons around him, he can't carry a team. When Zeke is suspended or hurt or out, you see his numbers drop off. Comparing him to Wentz, look what Wentz did last year with a bunch of practice squad guys. I mean, if you know, we'll, we'll never know because of, of that hit, but what would have happened if he didn't get taken out of that game? You know, he had, he had a good year, good regular season, but Getting back to the Dalton thing here, it's a good uh, bluff type chip, if you want to call it that. And I was even thinking about this at work today, because I saw either it was an NFL writer post on Twitter, or just a fan that posted it on Twitter. Um, if this is Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay, they need to get him a wide receiver whether it's trading block or, or something which made me think what if Dallas is really holding strong to this whole 28 to 31 million dollars a year and if they don't get Dak go after Aaron Rodgers yes I understand Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers Towards the end there, did not have a good relationship. 
But with these couple years away from each other, maybe that that fire for both of them to work together may work. Cause I mean, obviously they they had a good teams together. Maybe they could put their differences aside and and go win one. Hopefully not. I mean, I hope Philly wins them all. But you know, as a a strictly fan, it would be. A match. Now, like I said, Dallas, it was a good pickup by them for Andy Dalton. They got a experienced quarterback for the regular season and the playoffs. Say Dak gets hurt or something like that. He's been in the playoffs. Granted, he hasn't won a playoff game, but he's been there five times compared to Cooper Rush or whoever... Dallas backup it was I mean, he just got released because of the Andy Dalton thing so it's it's definitely going to be a, a long interesting year for Dallas especially if they don't sign Dak anytime soon and speaking of long seasons involving quarterbacks Carson Wentz finally has spoken up about the Jalen Hurts draft pick. And, I mean, how can you not love Carson Wentz? First off, everybody was questioning why why hasn't he made a statement on the draft pick? And, you know, has he talked to Jalen Hurts yet? First off, he just him and his wife just had a baby. Uh, I, I believe either the day before the draft or day of. So the last thing on his mind, I, I, I don't even think would be football, let alone welcoming a, a rookie to the team. And so he, he held a, a press conference, video press conference with uh, some of the Philadelphia media. And obviously they asked him about it. Some of the statements he made, like this, this one here, came to Philly ever since being drafted and all I've wanted to do is win and stand up there and hold that Lombardi trophy whatever that takes and whatever that looks like I'm on board I'm a competitor I want to be out there I want to have the ball in my hands we all do but at the same time whatever is going to help us win I'm confident the coaches and everyone is going to put us in the best situation now let's not forget yeah he he has a Super Bowl ring but he wasn't out there in 2017 Super Bowl. I like the fact that he's open to ideas of how to make this offense better and not just be stagnant. I still blame our offense coordinator from last year. I mean, there was a lot of times I I, I didn't understand that we were running really well and then well, let's go back to passing when the passing game wasn't working. Now, the other thing Wentz did say is he had a feeling the Eagles were going to take a a quarterback, given how the roster was laid out. Now, if you look at the the quarterback situation, other than Carson Wentz, we got Jalen Hurts now and Nate Sudfeld, um, plus a couple undrafted players that we uh, signed. 
first and foremost, if you guys have listened since the draft, it's not that I'm against Jalen Hurts. I'm against him being drafted in the second round. I think we could have got him a couple picks later and got some picks back. You got Nate Sudfeld, who couldn't beat out a Josh McCown. Nothing against McCown. He's, he, he, he was good. When he came in for the Seattle game, he almost pulled it off. But he was a player that every Friday the Eagles were okay with him going home to coach his high school football team. So Nate Sudfeld could not beat him out as the backup. Talent-wise, Jalen Hurts, I think, has more talent than Nate Sudfeld. So with the statement that Wentz said he had a feeling the way the roster was laid out, they would take a quarterback, you got to think Jalen Hurts is going to be the number two guy this year. And if you want to take one of these undrafted quarterbacks that you signed put them on the practice squad maybe we finally trade Nate Sudfeld for something you know a fifth or sixth you know maybe even a seventh uh, conditional draft pick and the, the one final quote that uh, Wentz gave that I absolutely love and it makes sense I mean this this could be for all of us he said, I have nothing but confidence and faith in them, meaning the front office and the coaches, and they have nothing but confidence and faith in me. So I think it's all about just strengthening that position and this group that we have. And he went on to say also, like, you know, if they show that the front office show that they had the confidence in Wentz by giving him the $130 million. That's why I'm not worried about this Jalen Hurts taking over for Wentz um, this year, blah, blah, blah. But we'll have Jalen Hurts for four years. Roughly $6 million. Four years for $6 million, roughly. Depending on what the final numbers are. Wentz's contract, from what I remember how it broke down, he has basically two more years. And then either he's going to have to restructure or, or we're just going to have to trade him. Because he's just going to be paid too much. If that's the case, we're back on having a, a rookie uh, quarterback contract, which helped us in 2017 with Wentz to be able to get the Alshon Tre- Jeffrey and LeGarrette Blount and, and some of the, the little bit higher price-tagged guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is what I said uh I believe two weeks ago, that if there's no college football this year, the only real quarterback that everybody really feels is going to transition to the NFL just fine is Lawrence from Clemson. Now, we took Jalen Hurts in the second round. If there's preseason, and even if he gets on the regular season field a couple snaps and shows that he could play, does Howie Roseman next year trade him for a first rounder or a high second rounder and another pick? Obviously, there's there's got to be a behind the, the scene thinking here with Howie of why he took Hurts other than to help out the team this year. 
he had to see something. And the statement that he made about they want to make the Eagles a quarterback factory. I can understand that. I mean, we've seen that in Green Bay with Mike Holmgren, with Brett Favre, and Ty Detmer, and Hasselback, Aaron Rodgers coming in. You know, they, they produce quarterbacks. So, I'm trying to keep an open mind with this Jalen Hurts thing still. I'm trying to get there. Slowly getting there. The more I think about it, the more I read stuff. But let's put this whole Jalen Hurts is going to be your starting quarterback next year to rest. It's not going to happen. It's going to be Carson Wentz for at least the next three years. We'll see what happens at that point then. So before we go, like I said, we have some live sports this weekend. UFC 249 finally is going to take place. Granted, Habib is not fighting. He is at home in Russia. But we have Tony Ferguson versus Gaethje. Gaethje was stepping in. Um, I... I don't know if there's an interim title online, but either way, before we actually get into all all the the picks, actually, yeah, it is a a lightweight uh, title fight. Sorry about that. Um, This card from top all the way down to the very first fight is stacked. You know, when I was looking at it, just the main card, like I said, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Dominic Cruz against Triple C, Nagano versus Rosenstruck. Jeremy Stevens versus Qatar. Greg Hardy versus DeCastro. That's just the main card. The prelims. Now, this is the prelims. Anthony Pettis versus Donald Cerrone as the main event for the prelims. Alonik, I'm sorry, Alonik versus uh, Fabricio Wordham. We have Michelle Watterson versus Esperanza, Raya Hall versus Sueza, Jakar uh, Sueza, Laku versus Nico Price, Mitchell versus Rosa, Spawn versus Alvi. I mean, just that card alone would be a main card for a fight night. Now, I was really hoping to see Nico Price up there on the main card because I really like watching him fight. I think he's he's a hell of a fighter. And if he wins the next one or two fights, he's definitely going to have some some talk uh, behind him for a possible title contention. So, since it's been, I think I saw someone post it, like 40-some days since the last UFC fight card, this will be our first picks since then so kicking off the main card Greg Hardy versus DeCastro I hate Greg Hardy for who he is what he used to do or what he did I'm always hoping he gets his head knocked off maybe this time around he won't cheat and use an inhaler so I'm going with DeCastro he's 6-0 Greg Hardy's 5-2 after that we have Jeremy Stevenson versus Qatar 
I think Jeremy Stevenson is a little older now. Qatar, I think, is going to win. I think this could be a hell of a fight, though. I, I think it could go, go all three rounds. But I'm going to go with Qatar with a knockout in the third round. After them, we have Nagano versus Rosenstruck. Now, I just saw today that there's a rumor flying around that Whoever wins this fight may fight Daniel Cromier for the interim heavyweight title because uh, Stiepe is a firefighter. And obviously with this pandemic going on, he's not stepping away from his job. And I don't blame him. And anybody that's giving him shit for it, piss off. You know, you put yourself in his shoes right now. Would you go into a burning building with this coronavirus going on while you're sitting at home, you know, Playing UFC 3? I don't think so. But I'm going to go with Nagano there. And if he loses this fight though, I, I think his window of opportunity will be shut. I think he might be like a, a gatekeeper. As we would say. After him we got Sujudo versus Dominic Cruz. I'm hoping Dominic Cruz wins. It would be a hell of a story to tell. Um, hasn't fought in three, four years. He's stepping in for Jose Aldo. Triple C is the annoying little rat, whatever you want to call. <laughs> trying to trying to be a little funny here, but kind of tired now. Um, but I will not be surprised if Sajudo wins this one. Then we got the main event, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. I mean, this spells war all over. Justin Gaethje is hard to put away, as well as Tony Ferguson. Gaethje has knockout power with his hands. Ferguson will cut you up with his elbows. It's just, this screams a war, and I hope it lives up to it. But I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson, and I think they're going to try to do it one more time. And try to do Tony Ferguson versus Habib. I think they. I, I honestly think they should just give it up. Sounds like the, that fight is cursed for the ages. So, that will be it for this week. Uh, head over to Twitter. Follow us there at ST Sports Podcast. Like our Facebook page, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like I said, if you guys wanna interact best place to find me is on twitter i have no problem arguing about why clowny shouldn't come to the eagles and why tony ferguson is not gonna fight habib ever so until then it's your good friend jimbo signing out